0: Growing a business brings pressure. It's not easy to maintain momentum and still keep employees engaged. Fortunately, there's inspirity. Their scalable HR solutions help me with hiring, training, HR administration, and compliance while giving my employees competitive benefit options. When my people are able to thrive, my business can adapt and prosper. With inspirity, nothing seems impossible. Insperity, HR that makes a difference. It's good to finally be back doing a Patreon bonus episode. I don't have to go through all of the stuff, but um, if you have time, please rate us on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating, give us a review if you want to. You don't have to write anything, but the ratings give us a better reach and helps expose us to more people, which I always appreciate. I have a pretty good following, but I never ask for reviews. So I have like 40 reviews when I have over 2,000 plays a day on the episodes, so it's very back and forth. So I need to start asking for reviews. Anyways, this is the September bonus episode for The Great Unsolved. Now, if you've been listening to my most recent episodes, you've seen I've been doing cases where people disappear from one place and show up hundreds of miles away, and this one is similar. Now, next week, I'm switching it up on the public episodes, and I'm doing the Yuba County 5, so that one is very mysterious, but it's not in the same vein as these. Today, we are going over the case of Mateusz Koweki, a 30-year-old Polish man from southeast Poland, the city town of Hutkow, or Hutko. It has an accent over the O, so, I'm not 100% sure how to pronounce it, but it's H-U-T-K-O-W. He lived in Hanover, Germany with his father for five years. It is said his sister also lived there, and he was there because there was more jobs there, and he was doing construction, I believe. It's not really stated what kind of construction, but construction of some, time, some kind. His Polish pregnant fiancé lived in northwest Poland in Lipia Gora. He was found dead and decapitated in his family's barn six months after his disappearance. So it's very odd. Let's just get into the timeline and let's see what you guys think. In March 20, well, March 28th of 2018, once again, this is a very recent case, happened in 2018, so it's a lot more recent than the last ones we covered. They were in the 1990s, which doesn't seem that long ago. It was before I was alive, but this is very recent, just four years ago. So March 28th of 2018, Kaweki's fiance was supposed to be giving birth soon. So he decided to make the 380 mile, 6.5 hour drive from Hanover to Gora. Now, some places say it was 404 miles, but when I looked on maps, it said it was 380 miles by car. So that's what we're going with. He left around 11.30 p.m. after leaving work. There's some podcasts that find this odd that he was a construction worker and he didn't leave work till 11.30. But I have friends who work in construction and sometimes they're there late. They have lighting and stuff. It's not unheard of to be doing construction late at night. He was driving his 1998 BMW 525. I'm mentioning this because it'll come into play later. On March 29th of 2018, he was supposed to arrive at his pregnant fiance's house in Lipiagora between 8 and 9 a.m., but he doesn't. At 10:30 a.m., his father calls him and talks to him. His father will later say Koeki sounded fine, but Koeki tells his father he was stuck in traffic jams for over 2 hours in I cannot pronounce it. It's spelled S Z C Z E C I N. It was a German-Polish border town about 133 miles from Lipia Gora. And he said he was stuck in traffic jams for about two hours here. So he should be to his fiancés soon. It's noted that this border had no staff or checks. It's all in the European, European Union. So it's not like going from United States to Mexico or Canada. You can kind of just go between different countries there. There was just a license plate scanner. And, once again, that'll come into play later as well. He texts his fiancé at the same time, saying he will be there in about two hours. However, two hours later, Kaweki never arrives and doesn't show up at all that day. His fiancé keeps trying to call him, and the phone is on, but the calls go unanswered. Around 5 p.m., she gets in touch with Koweki's sister, who I mentioned also lived in Hanover, Germany, just just to make sure, like, he didn't come home, she didn't get a hold of him, and no one has talked to him since his father did at ten thirty a.m. So the sister and the family start trying to get in touch with Kaweki, but no one could. Once again, the phone's on, it rings, but it goes unanswered, and that's about it. Kaweki's mom does go to police to report him missing, and police tell her not to. We have heard this so many times especially with adults that go missing the police stay say he hasn't been gone long and he's an adult he probably just left of his own accord and you should wait to report him missing finally in early april kweki is successfully reported missing in both germany and poland because remember he was a citizen of germany but he was born in poland and he was on his way to poland when he went missing because of this german police refused to investigate since Koweki was supposed to be in poland and we'll see this throughout the case there's a large bureaucratic barrier here for some reason even though they're all in the same union and there shouldn't be this big of a barrier there is So the family asks Polish PD to track Kowacki's cell phone, since we know it was on for days after he disappeared. But Polish PD cannot, since he had a German SIM card. And then they go back to the German police department, and they say they can't track it because he went missing in Poland. It's a whole thing, and it had to be extremely frustrating for this family. It should be extremely frustrating for everyone, because if somebody's missing police departments should just work together to figure it out. Eventually, the police would discover that Kowecki's cell never connected to Polish networks, and the cameras at the border suggest he never entered Poland, at least with his car. Eventually, the family starts their own investigation after being annoyed at police pretty much doing nothing and obviously not working together. They end up driving the entire route he would have taken to get from Hanover to Gora. They check side streets, they talk to gas station staff along the route, they try and get CCTV footage, they bring his picture to markets on the border, they do everything that the police should have done, and they end up finding no new clues about Koweki, or finding any new co- clues about his car either. For the next six months, the family makes multiple TV appearances about Kweki's disappearance, and they adamantly state police are not taking it seriously, which once again has to be extremely frustrating for them. Then we jump to September 12th. A neighbor of the family in Hutkow, Poland, comes to their home to talk to Kweki's mother. He starts complaining about a smell coming from their barn that had been there since July. So July, August, September, about two and a half months, he had been smelling this awful smell coming from their barn. And apparently this barn was on the edge of their property, so it was right by his property. Assuming it's a dead animal, the neighbor volunteers to look through the barn and find the source, And Kweki's mother agrees because she doesn't want to do it. (laughs) So she's like, yeah, go ahead. Here's the keys. Go do it. So in the barn, half of the barn was walled off, creating a room. Then there was an attic level above this room that was apparently very easily viewable from the rest of the barn. The neighbor goes into the barn, goes up to the attic part after not finding anything on the main floor, and sees a, quote-unquote, pile of clothes. Eventually, he discovers it is actually human remains, and later it'll turn out to be Koweki's remains. It was obviously not ID'd until later, because the remains were too decomposed to tell who it was. This body had a severed head and torso, almost all the teeth knocked out and stuck to their clothes, There was two nooses hanging from the roof and supposed blood on the clothes, which is what we think the teeth were sticking to. There was also a backpack on the ground containing Koweki's stuff. It had, notably, a Polish water bottle, an orange juice box, and the, the Polish water bottle was filled with cigarette butts. It also had his phone and wallet. Now, it's noted that Kweki hated orange juice, so having the orange juice box there is kind of weird, but I don't think it's as weird as people make it out to be. I hate orange juice, but I mean, if I'm thirsty and it's there, I'm going to drink it, so I don't think it's that odd. Now, we know police have not been helpful in this case up until now, and that doesn't change. Right away, police say it was a suicide and give all his stuff back without really looking into it, without looking at his stuff, looking at his phone. They just give it back to the family and they're like, sorry, your kid committed suicide. But September 16th, it's even more notable that the police did not do their job. The family finds a shoe with Koweki's foot still inside in the barn. So they didn't even look through the barn. They went to the body, picked up the body, picked up his stuff, and then left. They didn't look through the barn. And more notably, when the autopsy happened, they didn't note that there was no shoe, no foot. They kind of just went past that if they even did a comprehensive autopsy, which it doesn't seem like they did. It seems like they were just like, oh, it's a suicide. We don't need to look into it. But it's, it's so weird that they didn't notice a foot missing. That's your job to notice things like that. And that's not even a small thing. That's a huge thing. So there are a few things we found out after the body was discovered. Number one is that the phone found with the body, which was Kweki's phone, we know that, showed an outgoing call on March 30th, the day after he was supposed to meet his fiance, the day after people were trying to get a hold of him. And this call was to Koweki's uncle. It was very short, though. There were no answers, no talking. I don't even believe his uncle got a notification that he missed a call. That's how short it was. So people speculate Koweki either accidentally did it, called, and then was like, no, I don't, I don't want to talk to him, or he got caught trying to make a call by someone who was with him. We also find out that the family used the barn all summer. The place where the body and nooses were found is easily visible, but apparently they never noticed anything. And this is a huge problem I have with the case. We'll go over it more in the theories. But even if the body had fallen already, you would still see the nooses. You're not just going to be like, oh, look, there's two nooses, and then ignore it. If none of you guys put them there and also the smell. If the neighbors smelling it since July, being in the barn you would definitely smell that. There were some Polish public transit tickets purchased after Kweki's disappearance that were found with the body. So we know he was alive for a little bit of time, but we don't know if he was alone or with somebody else. Police concluded that Kaweki lied to the fiancé and family about where he was going on March 28th and 29th. They say he was not in the border town that starts with an S, like he said when he talked to his dad on the 29th. They also think he was not driving at this time, and he was still in Germany. They say evidence points to him taking a train to frankfurt der oder on the German border. Then he walked across the bridge to Sublice Poland, about 24 hours after he said he was already in Poland. And then here, he checked into a hotel with an unknown person. So this is kind of the only sighting we have of him, and he is with an unknown person. We don't know... If this person was male or female, the police might know, but it's not out there, and we don't know if he was nervous, how he was acting, how this other person was acting, but they checked into a hotel in Sublice, Poland about 24 hours after Koweki stated he was already in Poland and almost to his fiancé's house. Then from public transit tickets that were found with his body, he took the train to Warsaw the next day. Then, 12 a.m. on April 1st, he took the bus to Zamosk, about 13 miles away from Hutkow, where his family lived and where his body would be found. It's assumed he got to the family farm the same day, but no one in this incredibly small town or in his family saw him in the city or trying to get into the barn. And it is unknown how he covered those 13 miles. So there's just a few things I want to talk about. The blood. Um, Could it have been post-mortem? Bodies don't bleed long or even that much after death. The blood was probably put on the clothes before he was hung, if he was hung, and could they have come from the teeth being knocked out? If he was punched a bunch and your teeth are falling out, that's how bad you were punched, obviously there's going to be blood. So maybe the blood came from that. The teeth were knocked out and stuck to his clothes. They were seemingly stuck to blood on clothes. This could not have happened days or weeks later when the body detached and fell. If he was punched, his teeth fell out on the ground, and then he hung himself or was hung and then fell, the teeth would not have stuck because the blood would have been dry. It's also noted that it's really hard to knock out teeth post-mortem, and if they were knocked out while he was hanging somehow, they would not have stuck to his clothes. He would have been having to lay down for a while with the teeth on him for them to really stick because teeth are not like feathers. They're dense, they're heavy, they're not just going to stick to you randomly. Another thing is his car is gone. It's never been found, but it should still be in Germany since it never was registered going across the border. The keys and registration have never been found either, which it's difficult to hide a car, especially a large car. It's not like a tiny little Fiat or something. It was a BMW 525, should not just disappear into thin air. And then the family being in the barn. If Koweki was in the barn on April 1st, after getting to the town from 13 miles away, the body would have hung for a while. So why didn't the family see him? If the family didn't use it till summer, like we think of summer, as in June, That would give his body about two months to fall. But then the family still should have noticed a smell or the two nooses there. And it said this was an active farm, so I don't believe the family didn't use it until June. It's very odd they didn't find anything. They would have been less likely to find something if he was never hanging. But then that doesn't explain how he died. So... The family is either lying, oblivious, or the body wasn't there long. I don't think they're lying. They have no reason to lie, and they have no evidence pointing towards them hurting him or wanting to hurt him. But being that oblivious just does not make sense. And thinking about, okay, maybe the body wasn't there long, but the neighbor says the smell had been bad since July. And Koweki was decomposed beyond recognition. He had to be there for at least a few months. However, it's stated that decomposing bodies or decomposing animals, whatever, only smells for about a month. So July, August, half of September, kind of odd that the smell is still ongoing. And it would be kind of odd that the smell didn't start until July if he had been there since April. So, here's a few things we know. The body was there since at least July. The car is completely vanished. Teeth were knocked out before death, after or during the blood getting on his clothes, and he lied about where he was going. Many of these things suggest a struggle and a cover-up, but I don't have any theories on this, and it's very open to interpretation But the police have ruled it a suicide, and they did that very quickly, so I doubt this case is going to be looked into more at all. Thank you for going over the case of Mateus Kowecki with me. Please let me know any of your thoughts in the comments. It's a very strange case, and I would love to know people's theories. Remember, next week I am going to be doing the Yuba County 5, so look for that. And this week, if you haven't listened to it yet... I did the case of David Glenn Lewis, a man who disappeared from Amarillo, Texas, and was found dead 1,600 miles away just a day later. So thank you for listening. Remember to review us on Apple Podcasts and have a great week.